good morning. Well, if you're a veteran this morning or if you're presently serving at our armed services, could you could stand up and let us just recognize and thank you. All veterans, could you stand up and those are serving? Wow, look at that. Awesome. You may be seated. That's so exciting. First service, it was the same way. It was just so many people, our vets, and man, it's just so exciting. And I hope you'll take some time on Tuesday and really thank God for the men and women who serve this country and uh, value us and who have served our country. So I want to encourage you to do that. Well, grab your message notes that Charbel talked about there. And uh, we're going to continue on in our study in the book of Proverbs of putting God's wisdom into work making our lives work better. And we've been studying a guy by the name of Solomon who was very, very wise. Uh, he asked God for one thing, and God gave him wisdom. And, um, and we're going to find that Solomon has a lot of insight, a lot of wisdom when it comes to managing our anger. Now, I'd like to begin with this question. How many times this week do you think the average American man lost his temper? How many times this week did the average American Joe lose his temper? How many times? Seven, seven hundred, what? Eight times, seven times, 50 times, 14 times, six times, six. The average American man lost his temper six times. Now, how many times do you think the average American woman has lost her temper this past week? Well, everyone's got an opinion on that one. 21 times. Zero times. Way to go, Jill. Anybody else? How many times the average American woman lose her temper this week? Three times. Three times. Now, I find it very interesting that, guys, we have a tendency to get angry at things, not women. <laughs> and women have a tendency to get angry at, not men, people. People, oh man, we got some men bastards today, I can tell. No, we're having fun, and I know your husband, so uh, yes, okay. Women get angry at people, people. Now, statistically speaking, unmarried adults express their anger how many times compared to married adults? Interesting, I think this is. Twice as often as married adults. So if you have an anger problem, you might want to get married. You might want to listen to last week's message first to make sure you don't marry one of these. What do you call those? Losers, yes. Solomon's got some good advice on not marrying losers. I might encourage you to do that. Now, now where do you think we get angry at the most? Where are we most likely to, to lose our temper, to get angry at? Work, on the road? Finances? No one said it yet. Where do you think we get angry the most? I thought someone said over here, at home, number one place where we lose our temper is at home. Isn't that sad? You know, the people we should love the most, prize the most, esteem the most, that's where we usually get angry or lose our temper the most. Now, where is the place where we're least likely to lose our temper? At church. Everybody got that right first service as well. So that means you need to come to church more. All right? You need to come to church more. And people don't lose their temper unless the pastor speaks too long, and then they kind of get peeved. Um, but, uh, but you guys are very good about that, right? 
Yeah, thank you. One person. Thank you, Jill. Yes, okay. All right, I'll, I'll keep it to the point. All right. Um, now, have you noticed that people will do the craziest things when they get angry? I mean, sometimes we do the stupidest things when we get angry. Makes me reflect back to my son when he was 10, Raymond, my oldest boy. I think we got a picture here. He got a QA50 for Christmas, and he loved that thing. That's his sister there, Janelle, behind him. That's Philip there on the right. Now, notice this picture here of him on his QA50. What's on his feet? That's right, inline roller skates, you know, real smart thing. He's riding his scooter, and he's inline skating at the same time. Um, now, this, this QA50 had a problem. The, the, uh, the pistons, the, um, not the pistons, it's the, yeah, the piston rings uh, were worn out, and so as the motor got hot, it would expand, and it would lose compression, and after you rode it for a little while, it stopped running, and you could kick it and kick it and kick it until it cooled down and tightened back up again. It wouldn't stop running. It wouldn't start running again, and so one day, I was at work, and Raymond was out there, and Janelle and Philip, and they were playing on their little QA50, and it stopped running, and he just got so angry. He took the thing, and he threw it down in our driveway, and then he kicked it as hard as he could, and then he hurt his foot, you know? Now he's in pain, and now he's really angry. He went into our garage, and he actually took out one of Dad's hammers, and he starts hammering on the motor. Now, do you think that would help the motor? You know, people do the craziest, stupidest things when they get angry and when they lose control. Now, today we want to talk about two things, two truths about anger that I think will really help us. Number one is this. Anger is a God-given emotion. Can you say that with me? Anger is a God-given emotion. And that's so important. I think we forget sometimes that God has feelings too. And we're created in his image. And we have the same feelings God has. We have the same emotional capacity to get angry as God gets angry. Anger is a God-given emotion. We have that capacity to feel feelings of anger. Just like God feels feelings of anger. God gets angry. In Isaiah chapter 54, it says this, verse 8, God is speaking. And God says, when I was very, what's the word? God's talking about himself. He's talking about his emotions and his feelings. He says, when I was very angry, I hid my face from you for a short time, but with your loving kindness, the last forever, I've had pity on you, says the Lord, who brought you and saves you. For this is the day of Noah to me, as I promised that the waters of Noah should not flood the earth again. So I have promised that I will not be angry with you or speak sharp words to you, God gets angry. Anger is a God-given emotion. It's where we react when we face wrong. And God encounters wrong. It's called, in the, in the Bible, it's called righteous indignation. When wrong happens, and God being a holy, just God, the right response to injustice is to become angry. God gets angry. God's given us this emotion called anger. All right, It's a God-given emotion. And our loving Heavenly Father, He gets angry at us. Now, does God get mad at us? No. Mad, in the biblical term, um, means to harm or to hurt someone. God never wants to harm or hurt us. But God gets angry at us when we make bad choices, when we choose injustice, when we choose sin, when we choose wrong. God gets angry. So anger is a God 
given emotion. Number two, anger is a neutral emotion. Look at Psalms 4, verse 4. Don't, what's the word? Sin by letting anger gain control. Circle that word. Don't sin by letting anger. You can get angry. It's not sin. But if you let your anger get control over you, you're sinning. Don't sin by letting anger gain control of you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. Anger in and of itself is not sin. It's what we choose to do with it that makes it bad or good. If we allow that emotion, that feeling to control us and we give control to it, it becomes destructive, it becomes painful, it becomes hurtful, it becomes wrong. Ephesians 4.26 says, If you are angry... Do not let it become sin. You get that? You can be angry. There's nothing wrong with getting angry. God gets angry. But don't let it become sin. See, there's appropriate and inappropriate anger. It's a neutral emotion. Get over your anger before the day is finished. Great advice. It's saying don't hold on to your anger. You'll become embittered. It will be destructive for you. You see, anger in a lot of ways is like a hammer. Now, is a hammer a good tool or a bad tool? It's both. Depends. It's neutral. It's what I choose to what? Do with it. Now, how can a hammer be a very constructive tool? If I do what with it? Hammer and nails. I build something. I could even tear down something. This one, it kind of gets confusing sometimes. You can take a good tool like a hammer and, and be destructive in the sense that you're tearing down a wall, but overall it's being constructive because you're trying to accomplish something. You need to remove that wall. That's what often happens with our emotions called anger. We get them all confused and they get all twisted and it should be constructive and it's coming out sideways and it's being destructive just like a hammer. It's what I do with it. So how can a hammer be a, uh, a destructive tool? All right, I hit it on my motor, on my motorcycle. Very good. If I throw it at somebody, hit somebody, harm somebody with it, it becomes very destructive. The hammer itself is not bad or it's not good. It's what I choose to do with it. And it's the same thing with this God-given emotion called anger. Now, how can I use my anger in a constructive way? How can I use my anger in a constructive way? What can anger do? It can motivate us. It can motivate us to change. We're angry about maybe we have high blood pressure. We see a doctor and we finally get angry enough to do something about it or whatever, or weight gain or whatever. So it can motivate us to change. What else can anger do? How can anger be constructive? It can protect us. You know, it tells us that it brings fear in the sense that we need to guard ourselves from danger. It alerts us. All right, how else is anger constructive? We read in the Old Testament a lot about God getting angry. What do you call that? God's getting angry because he's standing up for what? Injustice. So anger can be very constructive because it, it causes us as Christian people or as people to stand up for injustice, against injustice, to stand up for justice, stand up for why, uh, women and children and issues. Anything else? How is anger constructive? All right, anger is my ally. Anger is my friend. As somebody said, anger is kind of like a warning sign that something's not right. 
Now, how can I use anger in a destructive way? We talked about anger in a, in a constructive way. How can I use anger in a destructive way? What are some ways we could do? Insult somebody. Very good. How else? Hit somebody. We devalue people with our words. How else can anger be used destructively? Punch a hole in the wall. But how else? How else? Think, keep thinking with me. Think long term. What happens when you hold on to your anger? Stress, bitterness, resentment. You become a yeah, sickness. All kinds of, of bad things happen when we hold on to our anger. So anger is this God-given emotion. It's a neutral emotion. Now, how do most people deal with their anger. We usually go to one of two extremes when it comes to managing and dealing with their anger. How do we usually do what or what? We let it out, we spew it out, or we do what? We bottle it up, we stuff it in. Either we're hiders and we hide our anger, or we're hurlers, right? And we hurl it at people. So whisper to the person next to you, what, which one are you the most prone to do? Are you more likely to be a hider? You stuff your anger, or are you more likely to be a hurler? You, you, you spew it out. Share it with your neighbor. All right, let's talk about bottling it up. Hiders. Hiders are the one of you right now that says, you know, I really don't hide or hurl. That's you. That's a hider. You know, you, you don't, you want to hide it. You don't want to admit that you have a problem with angry or that you get angry. That's a hider. We want to hide the fact that we get anger. But nothing wrong with anger. Anger is a God-given emotion. All right, we shouldn't hide it or deny it. We shouldn't suppress it. You know, we just need to say, you know, I'm angry. Hiders try to mask their true feelings. They try to keep peace at any price. They try to shove their anger into the closet, into their subconscious mind. They're bottling up their anger, kind of like this bottle of Coke. That's what happens, right? See, when we bottle up our anger, we all know it's going to come out. It's going to come out sideways or it's going to spew all out. And some of you are stuffers and you stuff it and stuff it. And then the top comes off and you better run, right? You're stuffers. That's what we do. We, We hide and we stuff and we ignore. Maybe I should put it back in that bag just in case it decides to go off on us. I don't know. Now, why do hiders hide? Why do we hide our anger? You're embarrassed by it. You don't want to hurt others. You don't want to deal with conflict. We're avoiders. Let's be honest. You know, often we're, you know, we've been in relationships. Maybe we're married or have a relationship or a boss who's a hurler. And, you know, if, if you're honest about it, then he explodes or she explodes and it's a mess. And so we've kind of learned, we've kind of conditioned ourselves just to be a stuffer. And to keep stuffing and stuffing and stuffing rather than dealing with it. We kind of buy into this idea that out of sight, out of mind. The problem with bottled up anger is it eventually explodes or it leaks. Now, what's this a sign of on the screen? Sign of what? Toxic waste and toxic containers. And everybody think the problem has been controlled, right? Let's put all that toxic waste into containers and then let's put it underground. 
And uh, it's happened many times that they're doing a lot better job of containing it these days. But they take that toxic waste, they put it in containers, they put it underground. year later, people in the community start having serious medical problems, cancer, miscarriages, stillbirths. And that toxic container, they found out, has been leaking. And it's been leaking into the water supply. And now everybody is being affected by it. Bottled up anger leaks suppressed anger always leaks anger turned inward always leaks buddha said this you will not be punished for your anger you'll be punished by what by your anger bottled up anger always leaks And possibly today, we're finding more and more, maybe your headaches or stomach problems or sleeping disorders or colitis or depression or high blood pressure or hypertension could stem from bottling up your anger. Now, with time, bottled up anger can even be more disruptive. It begins to poison our attitude, and we become bitter. We become irritable. All of a sudden, we become short-tempered. All of a sudden, we find ourselves getting angry and going off all the time, and we don't know why because we've been stuffing and stuffing and stuffing and stuffing and stuffing, and eventually, it's going to come out. It has to come out. God says this, insincere talk that hides what you're really thinking is like a fine glaze on a cheap clay pot. When you hide your true feelings, you're not being honest with yourself. You're not being true to yourself. You're not being honest and true with others. And it's going to cause damage in your relationships. Poisonous toxicity doesn't just go away by ignoring it. Proverbs 14, 29. Anger causes, what's the word? Mistakes. Isn't that the truth? When you get angry, you don't think straight. You know, sometimes I used to believe, you know, people say things when they're angry, it's the truth. And now I really realize it's not them speaking. It's not their heart speaking. Sometimes it's just their, their anger speaking. We say things we don't mean and we regret it later because we're speaking out of anger. We're speaking out of anger. It poisons our attitude. Uh, Proverbs 14, 29 says, anger causes mistakes. Proverbs eleven twenty nine 29 says, the fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. Boy, isn't that a great verse? You know, there's that word again, fool, loser. It's the loser who keeps provoking their family to anger and resentment. And what's going to happen over time? You're going to lose it. You're going to lose it all. Because you haven't learned how to take this God-given emotion and use it in an honorable way. Bottled up anger destroys and kills. So now what's the opposite of bottling it up? What's the opposite? Number two is what? You spew it out. Hurlers. Hurlers. Venters. Exploders. Now what would happen if I went ahead and shook this coke up a little more? And then I am to open it up. What would happen? What would happen? It would make a mess. I mean, Coke, it what? It spews everywhere, and it's sticky, and you go to clean it up, and you know, and you still haven't cleaned it up, and you come back to it a week or two later, and it's still there. I mean, it just spews out. It explodes everywhere. 
And that's what some of you all do with your God-given emotion called anger. You just spew out everywhere, you know, and you feel a whole lot better. It's kind of like you got a bad stomach. You just vomit on people. Now, you feel better. The vomit's out, you know, but everyone else is cleaning up your mess and your stink, you know. Um, and the truth of the matter, in the long haul, you're not going to feel better either. But a lot of us are spewers. We're hurdlers. We just vomit our anger all over somebody else. And we don't even take the time to understand what we're so angry about. Some people, they just explode, you know, and then they explode about this, and they're really upset about that. They're just out of control. Proverbs 19, 19 says this, short-tempered people must pay their own penalty. If you rescue them once, you'll have to do it again and again. True story. Years ago, probably 15 years ago, uh, in our old offices at the old RCA plant over there, North Corp Center, where our offices were for about several, several years. And I was in my office late one night sitting in there, and all of a sudden I heard this noise. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm thinking, what's going on? So I get up, I grab my flashlight, you know, and that's my, my stick I use to protect myself. I grab that billy club thing and we'll go walking into the community hall and I find one of our pastoral staff members and he's picking up these chairs. Turned out that he was in a rage. He got mad at his wife, and he started throwing over these stacks of chairs in the community hall. He just knocked them all over. And so I wanted to be a good friend, and, and so I helped him pick up those chairs, and we put them back and put them back away. And then I went back into my office, and about a month later, I was sitting in my office studying again late one night, and all of a sudden I hear these chairs going tumbling down. This time I know what it is. And I walk into the room, and I look at him, and I want to be a good friend. And so you know what I did? I said, you pick them up by yourself. And may this never happen again. Short-tempered people must pay their own penalty. If you rescue them once, you'll have to do it again. You see, rage brings more rage. Catharsis of your emotion alone does not bring about true, lasting healing. You just breed more rage. There was a time decades ago that people thought that's what you need to do. You just need to express it. You need to get it out. Now they realize you just create more rage inside of you by getting it out. You need to get it out, but you need to learn to get it out in a way that's constructive rather than destructive. Proverbs 22, 24 says this, Keep away from angry, short-tempered people or you will learn to be like them. And get this last part, what's it say? And endanger your soul. It's that serious. Anger out of control is destructive. It will endanger your soul. It'll cause you to become distant and wayward from God. Hurlers are not safe people to be around. Stay clear of spewers, or you could become like them. Now, we all hurl at times. Why do we hurl? Why do we yell? Why do we scream? Some of you that do it more than others. Why do you lose your temper? You know why you do it? You say, because you're angry. No, you do it because it works. Let's be honest. When you get angry, people will comply out of fear at first. But over the long run, uncontrolled anger always alienates people. But you've used a tantrum chantum, you've used that behavior before, and it worked, and it intimidated, and it bullied others. And so you choose to use it again. 
Look at this verse. A hot-tempered man gets into all kinds of trouble. Anger left unchecked destroys your life. So if you're a hider, if you're a hurler, you need help. We all need help. There's a way to be angry and not sin. There's a way to express your anger constructively. Look at Proverbs 16, 32. It says this, He who is slow to anger is better than the powerful. And he who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. One day, true story, Alexander the Great, in a fit of rage, he strikes his favorite general, and he hits him, and he hits him so hard that he kills the man. And that general was his best friend. And he cried out and said, I've conquered the world, but I can't even conquer my own soul. It takes enormous courage to win the battle raging inside of all of us. So why are you so mad? Why do you hide? Why do you hurl? What is fueling your anger? What is fueling your anger? You see, we all need to learn the ABCs of anger management practice in the book of Proverbs. A stands for acknowledge. B says backtrack, and C says confess. Acknowledge, backtrack, confess. A, acknowledge. Acknowledge what? Acknowledge that you're angry. Say, I'm angry, I'm angry. Proverbs 29, 11 says, A stupid man gives free rein to his anger. A wise man, a wise person waits and lets it grow cool. Don't repress it. Don't suppress it. Confess it. Confess your anger. Say to yourself, I'm angry. It's a God-given emotion for you to feel your feelings. Deal with it. Confess it. I'm angry. Admit it to yourself. The moment you feel your temperature rising, call it what it is. Don't deny it. Don't discount it. Don't shrug it off. Confess it. You see, we need to become more in touch with our emotions and learn to admit them and learn to admit them as early as possible. Now, how can you tell when you're getting angry? What are some of the signs that a person's getting angry? What, what happens physically? What happens? Their blood pressure goes up. You speak louder. Your breathing pattern changes. You stiffen up your posture. That's right, you clench whatever you're holding. One of the sure signs you're talking to someone, they start clenching things, holding things, tighten up their fist. I mean, they're, they're getting angry, right? Some of you are smiling. You, you see all these things in yourself or in your, or in your partner, apparently. Um, don't just say, I'm frustrated, I'm upset, I'm disappointed. Say it what it is. Say, I'm angry. So let, let's, let's, let's practice this morning. Can we practice? Can we say it together? I'm angry. Now, you're all saying it like you're nice. Let's say it like you're angry. Say it together. You ready? I'm angry. Come on. It's okay. You're in church. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. Help that boy over there. We got one person angry here. I'm angry. Need to say it. Need to admit it. You've got to become a student of yourself. And the sooner you can admit it to yourself and label it and call it what it is, the better you'll be able to follow God's advice and wait and manage it and honor God with this God-given emotion. 
Proverbs 29.11 says, A stupid man gives free reign to his anger. A wise man waits, lets it grow cool. Resists the urge to react. One of the great advice I can give you this morning when someone says something and you feel anger, you know, absorb the blow. That's what Jesus did. He absorbed the blow. People would attack him, and he absorbed the blow. He resists the urge to react in a negative way because it's going to be destructive. Rarely at that moment is it going to be constructive, right? It's not going to help. So you've got to resist the urge to react, and you've got to absorb the blow. And you do that by acknowledging it to God. Say, God, I'm angry. Let God be your sounding board. You're frustrated? Tell God your frustrations. God's a big God. He can handle that. He gave you this gift, this emotion called anger. Express it to God. That's what David did in the Psalms all the time. You read the Psalms. They're called impeccatory Psalms because David is frustrated by the injustice and the hurt and the harm going on. And he prays his prayers against his enemy. He's frustrated and he is expressing his anger to God. It's okay. Tell God you're angry. So resist the urge to react, absorb the blow, and acknowledge it to God. So A is acknowledge. Acknowledge to God. Get by yourself. Get alone. Tell God I'm angry. And then number two, B stands for what? Backtrack. After you acknowledge your anger, after you acknowledge this God-given emotion, you need to backtrack. You need to ask yourself, why am I angry? If you want to stay out of trouble, Proverbs says, be careful what you say. That's just simple, great advice, isn't it? You want to stay out of trouble in your marriage, be careful what you say. It really is that easy. Be careful what you say. The secret to being careful in what you say is growing in your understanding of your anger. Understanding the root issue. What's fueling your anger? You see, anger is almost always your second emotion. We want to talk about why we're so angry. We need to talk about the root. It's your second emotion. It's a warning light. That something bigger and deeper is going on inside of you. And rather than just, you know, admitting the hurt and dealing with the feelings, we bolt over to the second emotion called anger. And we need to ask ourselves, why am I angry? Now, usually we're angry for one of three reasons. Hurt, frustrations, and fears. Hurts, frustration, and fears. Hurt. When you stub your toe, what do you do? You get angry. It's your natural biological reaction to pain is to get angry. Now, when you get hurt emotionally, what do you do? You get angry. Someone hurts your feelings. You get angry. That's the way you respond. Hurt, frustrations. Frustrations is like dealing with your computer and the new software and the new this and the new that. It doesn't work right. You know, if you're frustrated, it's driving down I-95 in the fast zone. And you got someone going the speed limit in the fast zone. You don't do that, right? It's against the law, right? Get over. Get to the right. Frustration. We need to deal with that one. And then fear. Fear. We're afraid. We feel threatened. And sometimes fear is real. And sometimes fear is just our imagination. Fear is most often, you know, false evidence appearing real. And we're overreacting to it. And we're overreacting to the fear by becoming angry. Most fear is rooted in insecurity. Dr. Alfred Adler, and I would agree with him, he says all people with an overactive temper are just insecure. And that's really true. They're insecure. 
They're insecure with themselves. They don't have any security in Christ and who they are. And so they try to bully and manipulate others because of their own insecurity. So we got to ask ourselves, we got to backtrack and say, why am I really angry? You see, this is one of the beautiful benefits of being a Christian. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, takes up residence inside of us, and His job is to help us see ourselves. The role of the Holy Spirit is to give us greater self-awareness so that we will become more like Jesus Christ. Jesus got angry, but He dealt with it in an appropriate way. And that's the role of the Holy Spirit. And our lies is to give us greater self-awareness to help us to see our anger, to understand why we're angry so we respond to it in a God-honoring way, the way Jesus did. You see, anger is our most baffling emotion. And most of us have become very skilled at bolting from the first painful emotion of hurt, fear, or frustration, and we run to anger. When you're angry, you got to back up. you got to find what's going on. What's going on in your heart? What's going on in your life? So you got to acknowledge it, backtrack, and then you got to choose. 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 How can I honor God with my anger? Proverbs 16, 32 says, let's read this together, can we? Out loud. It's better to be slow-tempered than famous. It's better to have self-control than control an army. You see, be- between stimulus and... And response, we always have a choice. Between stimulus, you feel angry, you stub your toe, whatever it is. Between stimulus and your response, you always have a choice. We choose to do what we choose to do with our anger. Look at these Proverbs. Proverbs 12 says this, When a fool is annoyed, is frustrated, he quickly lets it be known. That's because he's a fool. Smart people, wise people, will ignore an insult. They're strong within themselves. They're secure within themselves. Smart people manage their emotions in a way that honors God. Proverbs 19.11, when someone wrongs you, it's a great virtue to ignore it. Just to absorb the blow. Proverbs 17.27, people who stay calm have Real insight. God can help us gain control. You know, I find often people who struggle and have struggled for decades with anger problem, my experience has been it goes back down to their mindset towards their anger. You talk with them and they almost always try to justify their anger and they think they have no choice. They'll say, well, Dr. Ray, you don't understand. I'm Italian and all Italians get angry, you know. I'm, I'm Spanish, or I'm Greek, or I'm, I'm, I'm Irish, you know. It's not my fault, what they're trying to say. I'm just born that way. I'm just hot-tempered. No, that's a lie. You're self-deceived. You're trying to believe that to justify your behavior that's so destructive and damaging. I'm sorry, because between stimulus and response, we always have a choice. You've been just getting away with it too long. People put up with it too long. So you continue to do it. And have you noticed people that have deep-seated, deep-rooted 
anger problems, and we're just talking about the stuff that spew. A lot of us have deep-seated anger problems. We just keep stuffing it, and it comes out different ways. But you know, people that have deep-seated anger problems, you know, and, and they'll be in the middle of a fight, and they'll be screaming and hollering, but they're expecting an important phone call. I mean, they're just livid, and the phone rings. Hello, can I help you? You know? I mean, isn't it amazing? And it just shows, again, that people have control. They just choose not to because it serves them. It serves them well. Hello, can I help you? Anger is a choice you make, but the truth is you just don't want to control it. We all have a choice every time we get angry. We can honor God or we can dishonor God. We can sin or we cannot sin. We can be constructive or destructive. Anger itself, it's a neutral force. It's what you and I choose to do with it. And with God's help, we can make wise choices. We can choose the high road of constructive response rather than the low road of destructive responses. I love this verse. This is a verse that maybe we all should put, try to put to memory this week. Proverbs 15, 11. Proverbs 15, 1. Let's read it together. Can we in one voice? A gentle answer turns away but harsh words, a gentle response always diffuses anger. Gentle, careful, selected, kind words tend to cool things down a bit. Harsh words stir it up like a match on a forest fire. You see, anger is very contagious it's infectious. That's why you got to ask God to help you to absorb the blow. Take the high road to really honor God with your anger. We have to choose to respond the way Jesus did. He had that emotion, but he responded with love and grace, with kindness and compassion, with a gentle answer. Because a gentle answer quiets anger. And we need to ask God for His power, His love, to help us to absorb the blow and diffuse the anger and to honor God with this God-given emotion. Can we bow our heads? Can we do this right now? Can you just close your eyes and can you acknowledge your anger to God right now? Can you just admit it? God, I get angry. God, I get angry and I, I stuff it, Lord. I'm a hider. God, I get angry and I spew it out. I'm a hurler, Lord. I need help. I need to stop it. I need to quit stuffing it. Can you acknowledge it this morning? Can you backtrack right now? Can you say, God, help me to see it? God, help me to see why I'm angry. God, I need your help. God, I need your help. I need your love. I need your power. And can you choose right now? Can you say, God, I choose to honor you with my anger. God, help me to allow my anger to move me in a positive, constructive direction. Can you join me in praying and say, God, help me to absorb the blow and diffuse my anger and honor you with my words.
You know, maybe this morning, maybe this morning you need to meet Jesus Christ to help bring about a change in your heart and your life. He wants to do that. Can you acknowledge your sins? Can you backtrack and believe and realize that God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for your sins, for that enmity that you have between you and God? And can you confess Christ this morning? Can you choose to put your faith and trust in him and ask him to save you of your sins? Father, we thank you so much again that your book, your Bible, that was written 3,000 years ago is so full of life and truth that will help make our lives work well. God, help us to read your book. Help us not just to read it, but to live it and to do it. God, help us to absorb the blow. Help us not to react. Help us to control our emotions and to allow your Holy Spirit to help us see and understand ourselves that we might live more like Jesus Christ. God, we want to be like you. We want to honor you with our words. We want to build a better home and a better marriage and a better job and a better life. God, help us to deal with this God-given motion in a God-honoring way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.